All right. So this is, um, we've got a, a couple of minutes for, um, this is where we have our questions and our answers. I hope you have been um, thinking about those questions. Um, and so if, you know, we would love to receive questions from you. If there's anything that you need a clarification on uh, in this teaching, please ask. You can use all our, our platforms. I can't remember what the number is um, uh, for, for WhatsApp. I always forget it. They tried to give it to me. They're just giving it to me now. If you want to send your question through WhatsApp, it is 0907. They said I didn't say it right the last time. 0907 0860-0860. That's if you want to send a question through WhatsApp uh, or, yeah, through WhatsApp. But if you want to, I'd love to see uh, questions here in the um, YouTube live chat. Or if you want to write, I think you can write in the comment section of Mixler. Um, or you can write in the comment section of Facebook. So please send in your questions. Uh, this is where we would interact. I know normally it takes about two, three minutes for them to come through. Um, so especially with delays and then people typing and all of that. And so I don't know if there are any questions that are coming through. We'll give some time for that to come through. Um, again, happy to see quite a number of us. Yes, amen, amen, amen to the prayers. All right, so any questions, any questions, please use any of the channels. There is no such thing as a stupid question. So please save, uh, send the question. If, especially if you disagree with something, please let me know where. Uh, maybe I can explain and give further clarification. Um, or maybe there's something personal that you want to ask. Please let us also know. So we'll be waiting for that, but if, if I'm not going to wait too long, because um, I never, it, it can become too awkward here. You, you can imagine how it is. I'm just here sitting in front of a camera and just looking and waiting for questions. So I'm hoping we can, we can get um, uh, uh, some questions soon enough. Soon enough. Any, any question? To give it a, a bit of uh, last Sunday, we uh, not this Sunday, the Sunday before last, as we we're just ending the broadcast because we thought there was no question. Someone has sent in a question, and she actually sent it in from the very beginning, but because of her delay in her bandwidth, it didn't get to us until at the end. But I know there's a question coming in um, now. I do want to give uh, some say, please, 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 if you've not subscribed, you may think what's there is it not just kicking a button? Please help us subscribe, subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you're not following us on Facebook, follow us on Facebook. If you're not following us on Instagram, please follow us on Instagram. But at the same time, please engage with all of the, 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 the content that you find. They help us not just like it. We want you to like. We want you to comment. We want you to share. Like, comment, and share. Follow and subscribe. We really, these things are, are important for us. You see, what you've done by doing that is you've enabled us to reach more people with the gospel of Christ. you enable us to reach more people with the truth of God's word. So the more you actually engage with it, the algorithms of the social media is able to um, notice the traffic that is there and enables it to be able to spread it to more people. So we would really love for you to do that. I know many of you have done that, and thank you. That's moved our subscription uh, levels. But please also like, comment, and share. Look at uh, the things that are on offer there. We have a blog. Um, 
that you can check on our website and we try to produce good articles that are there, not too long, uh, but things that help us to think. Please, so please engage with that and you can share that on your social media uh, channels as well. Don't forget to uh, invite people, not just for this Theology Tuesday, but also for our Sunday services, which start at 9 o'clock. So any question here? All right, so somebody says, what is the place of predestination in our salvation? All right, so let me take that first one, Benga, but before I uh, get here, Olu, Olu, my parents will be, will be watching this now. They'll be, they'll be putting their hands on their, on their eyes. Mommy, Daddy, if I can't pronounce it well, it's your fault. Oluto Timi, something like that. Oluto Timi. All right, share Oluto Timi. I'll get to your questions. All right. But Benga Shodipo says, what is the place of predestination? As my Bible was the place of predestination in our salvation. Or let's put it another way. What is the place of predestination in the gospel? What is the place of predestination? This is one of those teachings. Now, I can't do a full teaching on predestination. What I will say is that there is um, predestination election. We have that in theology in Lagos. Go and look for the message how salvation works. Before the message how salvation works, we've not uploaded this, but we'll eventually upload this. Am I truly free? So am I truly free comes in trying to think theologically and philosophically about how we deal with God's sovereignty and human responsibility. How does the Bible teach that? We teach that first, and then we then move into the issue of um, God's sovereignty in, in the aspect of salvation. But I should say this about predestination. Right? Some people, what we all have to agree with is predestination is taught in the Bible. Whether we understand what it's saying or not, whether we understand it and whether we agree with it or not is another thing. But it is there. Now, the, the closest or most explicit part you can find about predestination in the Bible is obviously in Romans chapter 8. All right, in Romans chapter 8. I said I will really push you to go and look at um, the teaching on that in how salvation works. Um, and at least how salvation works part 1. That's explicitly to that. But in Romans chapter 8, it says this, in, you know, the verse 28, that we all know that we love. And it's, a, it's such a promising, wonderful scripture. It says that we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. This is God's sovereignty in all things. It doesn't say everything works together. Every single thing works together for the good of those that love him. But he says when you bring all of those things together, it works for the good of them that love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Those who love God are those who have been called according to his purpose. All right? Now he says, for those God foreknew, so we'll know what that purpose, what's that purpose? Because some people say, find the purpose of God for your life. Now, there are two ways you can think of God's purpose for your life. There's the eternal purpose and there's the vocational purpose, right? So what do I, what am I, vocational, marital, what, are, you know, there's the, we like, how you relate to the world is that vocational purpose. But there's the eternal purpose. How do we relate to the world now? It's vocational purpose. And so quite often we only just think about the purpose relationally to the world, relationally to our spouses, relationally to our children, relationally to, um, you know, environment, all, you know, to ideas. But what about the eternal purpose? Because that's what he's talking about here. So it defines what that purpose is. Purpose is a goal, all right? Is the goal we are trying to achieve. So he says, and we know that in all things, God works together for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. What is that purpose? Remember I said it's a goal. For those who God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. 
that his son might be the firstborn among many, many brothers and sisters. Now notice, he predestined them to be conformed to the image of his son. What is the purpose of those who are called according to his purpose? Uh, sorry, what is the purpose of those from whom he loves? It is for them to be conformed to the image of his son. This I cannot, I want to, I don't want to, just for us to just forget about it. There is a destination God is taking every Christian to, and that is to be conformed to the image of his son. How do I know his destination? Because he said that's what they were predestined for. Who are those that were predestined? They were those who were foreknown. So you have the foreknown, then the predestination, then in verse 30, it then says, and those he predestined. Those he predestined, but those he foreknew. Those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. Now, if you notice, which one of these things belongs in that phase one that I spoke about? Well, we saw it among those strong blessings, justification. So when you look at this chain of five things, foreknowledge, predestination, call, justification, glorification. The thing that you see that is in phase one is justification. But before justification, there were three other things that were there, wasn't it? For knowledge, predestination, call, and glorification. Now let me say this. Um, God is sovereign, so God does not exist in time and space. God is sovereign, so God does uh, God is sovereign, God is eternal. He's eternal, so he doesn't exist within, in time or space. Now, if he doesn't exist in time or space, but he's trying to do things in a world that he created that exists in time and space, what does that mean? I'll tell you a mystery that is true, but we can't fully understand. Though God does everything he does without time, he affects it within time. That's, how, that's the only way you and I can understand. What God has proposed and done, he does to himself before time. Without time. But then he effects it in time. So, for instance, in Romans, uh, in 2 Thessalonians, we are told that Jesus Christ was revealed in these times for our sake. In Revelation 13, verse 8, we, are here, we hear that the Lamb was slain before the creation of the world. How is that even possible? It was in the mind of God. All right? So, he does things out of time. He is not bound by time or space. But for our sake, it is revealed in time. So, his salvation plan was before time. But, but, was, but was effected in time. The first two here are before time, for knowledge and predestination. The last three are, time, are in time, call, justification, and uh, call, justification, and um, glorification. Now, again, if you want to see how salvation works, the call is treated in how salvation works, part Three and glorification is, is treated in our salvation works part three. So again, I'm referring to that. But now the issue of predestination, as you're asking, what effect? Well, it is it is the thing. It, the, the the place of predestination is what happens without time. What does that mean for you and I? It gives us certainty, but in terms of interacting with it, there's not much we can do. 
Because you see, predestination, you have the prefix pre, and then you have destination. So we know it's a destination to be conformed to the image of the Son. And also foreknowledge, again, you have knowledge and you have for. Knowledge, we understand for. Again, the prefix is saying something before. Both of them are in reference to time. These are things that God had done in reference to time. God foreknew certain people according to his love. He chose them before time according to his love. And those people, he, gave, he was putting on a particular destination before time. Now, to effect it in time, what does he do? By the Holy Spirit, by somebody that is a preacher, or somebody who went and told them the gospel, they heard. And so through hearing that gospel, he called them. And when he called them, they responded in faith, and therefore, one of those metaphors, he justifies them. So if we look at the metaphor from the standpoint of them being guilty, when God called, Jesus said, no man can come to me except the Father draws Right? So that's the call in time. Somebody went to preach in time. And through that, as they started hearing the word and they wanted to respond to the word, they were called. And then when they responded in repentance and faith, they were justified. Verification is the future. That's phase three. We're not talking about that. So where does election and predestination come? This is what has happened in the eternal mind and will of God. It's not something you and I can really totally interact with because we don't understand what it is to um, to have uh, to live in eternity. But what we do know is this, that we are secure in God's hands. Okay? And that's the place for predestination. All right. Um, yes, let me have... Um, 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 okay. Oh, all right. Um, okay, there are a lot of questions now. Is there, is there a part of this message, this share, Oluto Timi? Why am I getting myself into this thing? Is there a part of this message where you delve into what happened when Christ died, like going to hell and collecting the keys and other stuff that are not expressly discussed in the Bible? No, there's no time I will get into that, so let me get into that now. There's this teaching, um, and it comes really from a misunderstanding of, of one of the most important creeds that we've had that unifies the church. So in our church, city church, we normally will confess this creed on a Sunday in, in particular months, right? And it says, I think it's the Apostles' Creed, or oh, am I mixing it up? It's, no, it's the Apostles' Creed, where it says that Jesus Christ descended. Now, the old version had he descended into hell. In our version, we use he descended to the grave. Now, understand that the word hell, at least in Greek, in the old King James, all the words that, that, were, that were translated hell, there were at least about four, four um, um, Greek words. So one of them was um, called Hades. Hades. Now, in Greek mythology, Hades was the place of the dead. In Hebrew understanding, the place of the dead, when you read in the Old Testament, when David says in Psalm 16 that you will not um, leave my soul in the dead, the, the Hebrew word is sheol. So the, the Hebrews had a word for that, sheol, the place they all, you call it the grave, right? Dead people go to the grave. Where is that? We're not sure. The Greeks understood Hades as being under the world. So when they are translating Hebrew scriptures, right, into Greek, what we call the Septuagint, right? That is, there was a Greek form of the Old Testament that people who in Roman times and Greek times did not understand Hebrew and didn't have access to the Hebrew scripture. They, they translated the Old Testament to Greek. So when it gets to some of those passages like Psalm 16, what was Sheol was now Hades because there's a sort of Greek understanding of that. 
But Hades, when translated, particularly like in King James, from Greek to, um, the, to English, people then called hell. The problem is that is that the concept of hell is not just necessarily the grave. The concept of hell is the place of eternal punishment. And so what happens is that then this elaborate story then came that Jesus went to meet Satan in hell and collected the keys and then, you know, brought liberation or whatever. The problem with that is, guess what? Satan is not in hell. I hope that's not controversial. If you believe that, then you are not believing what the Bible teaches. How do I know that? Because turn to Revelation chapter 20. Revelation chapter 20 will tell you straight away. Revelation 20. Um, Revelation 20. Ah, this is why we use computer Bibles. I won't lie. All right, in Revelation 20, you see, it says, The dead... The dead, uh, Revelation 20, verse 12, and I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. No, no, no. Yeah, no, no, no. Go, go to verse, go to verse uh, 7. When the thousand years are over, Satan will be released from his prison. So he was in prison. He will be released from his prison, whatever I mean that prison is. I'm not getting to that. He will be released from his prison and will go to deceive the nations in the four corners of the earth, Gog, Magog, I'm not going to that, and to guard them for battle. In, the number, in number, they are like sand on the seashore. They march across the breadth of the earth and surround the camp of God's people, the city he loves. But fire came down, and heaven devoured them. And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur, where the beast and the false prophet had been thrown. They will be tormented day and night forever and ever. If Satan is in hell, where he is meant to be tormented day and night forever and ever, there will be no Satan. You have no access to doing his work. He is not there yet. Guess what? There is nobody that is in hell yet. When Jesus was on the face of the earth, when he was casting demons, he said, ah, it's not yet time now for you to cast us into the place. He said, it's not yet time. Because the, the time for the final judgment will come when Jesus returns. So if you then, if we then look at hell in that regard, then you, are, you are putting so many concepts into the word hell. So let's separate them. What if we just called hell the place of eternal judgment? The place of eternal judgment. Right? In Greek, when Jesus referred to that, he will often talk about Gehenna, the place of eternal judgment. No one has been put there yet. No one is suffering eternal judgment yet. That would happen when Jesus Christ returns. So, how did Jesus go and get, what keys did he go and get from Satan? No, that's not what happened. Now, there is a way in which Jesus Christ experienced hell, if you like, on the cross. This is what happened. Jesus Christ experienced the punishment for those, who would have put, for those who would believe in him, he experienced their punishment. John 3, 16. For, uh, for God loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He gave his, world, his son for the world. That whoever believes in him will not perish. How would they have perished if they didn't believe in him? They will have perished eternally. Hell. They will not perish but have eternal life. So what was the giving up of his son? He gave his son up for condemnation. Who is he that... Uh, condemned, is it not Jesus Christ who was condemned in our place, Romans chapter 8. So Jesus Christ received, if you like, the eternal wrath of God on the cross. And there are two places that eternal wrath of God can be felt, either on the cross or in hell. So in that regard, Jesus' experience 
in, those, in, that, in that period was he experiencing the wrath of God. It wasn't just that he was killed by Roman soldiers. He experienced the wrath of God so that God's wrath is satisfied, so that anybody that believes in him, it's not that God was unjust to forgive them. He was just. He paid out the punishment of his wrath for their sins upon Jesus Christ. In that regard, Jesus went to hell. Not to go to hell, to the place of hell, to go and meet the devil and fight the devil and remove the keys. Even the people who are dead now that are not dead in Christ are not in hell. They are in a grave. What does that mean? They are in a place of, I don't know. The people who are dead in Christ are with Jesus Christ. Who are dead in Christ are in heaven now. I'll say a little bit more about this in our phase 3.1. But my point is, the, the, as you said, it's not in scriptures that Jesus Christ went to have a battle with devil in hell because the devil is not in hell and um, um, no one is in hell yet. But Jesus Christ received eternal condemnation on the cross for those who believe in him. And so that's the much I can say on that. There are some other, let me get to some other questions. Demola Badma says, so there is a specific gospel that leads to salvation. What about people who have been in church meetings for needs and received testimonies but didn't hear this gospel? That is why partly I'll say that we're trying to do what we're doing. Is that if you ever want to see revival, if you ever want to see true healing, a true transformation, it always starts with the gospel as far as Christianity is concerned. I do think there are lots of things, good things that are said in churches, right? So don't get me wrong. Empowering people, especially in the kind of place that we live in, Nigeria, uh, boosting people's confidence, right? Um, there are a lot of wonderful works that churches do. is really good. And I would say this, flows, this should flow out. This should flow out from people who have been transformed from the gospel. The problem, though, is that if, if people come in and they have needs, 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 and all you ever do is respond to those physical needs. You are able to meet someone's physical needs and you don't meet their eternal need. It is very possible. Jesus Christ healed certain people. He fed people. They felt the power of the kingdom when he fed those 5,000. They felt the power of the eternal kingdom. But they weren't transformed by the message of the eternal kingdom. It is possible to receive the blessings, some of the blessings that flow out of the kingdom, but not receive the eternal blessing of the kingdom because you never accepted your your. Your, your status as a sinner that God needed to save. You never truly repented. And so that is a sad thing. It is a sad thing that people can go to church over and over and over again and not actually hear the message of the gospel. And the truth is that you cannot be saved eternally without the message of the gospel. How shall they call upon... How, it says that whosoever, be, uh, whosoever calls upon the Lord shall not be ashamed. But how shall they call upon... The one they have not believed. How shall they believe if they have not heard? How shall they hear if there is not a preacher? How shall they preach if they are not sent? If people are not sent to preach the true good news of the Lord Jesus Christ, people will not cry out, right? They will not call upon the name of the Lord, and then they will not be saved. So if we identify that, rather than be people that just go along around criticizing people, telling them how... Their pastors are not preaching. Their churches are going bad. That's not what we do. A, we pray that those people start to preach the gospel. And I can tell you, there is so much power in praying, constantly praying, rather than just criticizing. Praying. I've seen it. We've seen it in our church as we constantly pray for the kingdom to come. We call them kingdom-centered prayers. We pray. And we're seeing changes in places that you never have thought of before. People are losing interest in a lot of the false gospels. And even a lot of pastors are questioning that. So we pray but also we preach. 
we preach ourselves, we understand the gospel ourselves, we find ways of sharing those gospels, but also we share resources. Not in a condemning way, but we share gospel resources to people. Hey, listen to this message. Hey, let's talk about this thing, right? I think that's what we are meant to do. So when we see that situation, we don't behave as people without hope. We don't become people that are given to despair. Despite all the opposition that Paul faced, Paul said, even when he was in chains, he said, but the word of God is not chained. So let us not be people of despair. Let us be people of hope who know that God has commissioned us if we have responded properly to the gospel. Go all out. Go to the, to the nooks and cranny of the world. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. All right? Thank you, Demola. Demola, oh, Demola continues. I didn't even see that. I have believed that if one came to pray, if, if one came to pray and received, sometimes dramatic answers, surely salvation must have been somewhere in the mix. And it's not necessarily the case, Demola. It isn't. Now, I'm not saying, I do really believe that, just as the apostles did and Jesus Christ did, for instance, that, so there's something called apologetics, for some of us know, a defense of the gospel. Now, most people identify um, apologetics based on argument, right, rational arguments. Speaking of apologetics, there's a wonderful man of God called Rabbi Zacharias, who is probably on his last days, and he was a huge influence to many of us, and through the, his field of apologetics, he was able to convince people to show them that believing in God does not mean that you throw away your mind. He was able to show it philosophically how other, other systems of thought don't make sense. But Rabbi Zacharias always said he wasn't first and foremost an apologist. He was first and foremost an evangelist. And his apologetics was to be able to defeat the argument of people to open up a way for the gospel to come forth. So apologetics has always been the, the, the field of of the opening up for the gospel to come. Now, but apologetics takes different forms depending on the society and the need of the people. So in a lot of Western secular spaces, apologetics is going to take the form of rational arguments. This is what Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 when he says, we bring, all, we bring uh, every thought and we make them captive to Christ. But apologetics in Jesus' day, in Galilee, among the people who are poor, among people who didn't, weren't educated, but had a lot of needs, what was the apologetics? Miracles. The miracles opened the door for the gospel to come forth. Signs, wonders. On the day of Pentecost, people were speaking in tongues, people were hearing different, uh, they were hearing in many languages from unlearned people the wonderful works of God. How is it that they're able to do that? That sign was a spectacle that brought them. And what happened after that they preached the gospel? When John and Peter healed the man at the gate beautiful, he was, he, he, was, uh, he, was, he was leaping and praising God. He wasn't leaping and praising the men of God. Because somehow, somewhere, they preached the gospel. Peter rose up and preached the gospel on that day. For some of us, the apologetics is um, medical, medical, medical missions, things that we do. The goodness of the kingdom comes, but it then opens the door for us to hear the gospel. But my point is this. You can, hear, you can hear many of those things that flow from people who have been taught by the gospel, but you, your message cannot just be, I was an addict, and then God, God took me from, from rags to riches. God, you know, though my father and my mother died, but look at where I am today. I remember there's a, one of the biggest gospel singers in Nigeria. He, he released a message, an 11-minute message or something like that, just before he sang. Talked about how he used to sell orange, he used to hawk and everything. Look at now, he's a, he's a vice president of a big 
um, music um, company, um, you know, collaborated one of the biggest um, uh, gospel um, or one of the biggest Christian songwriters. You know, all of those things. And you hear that whole message. I heard it for about 10, 11 minutes. It's very nice. It's wonderful. It's nice to see that kind of story. And I really do believe that's what God does. It's God that can lift people up in that way. So I am not coming against the message, but I'm saying that message in itself is not complete. Because what you can see there is a picture of God's grace, a picture of God's grace to remove somebody from a place of severe lack to a place of abundance. But that's a picture of God removing us from a place of eternal lack, right? And in Christ Jesus to give us a place of abundance, the abundant life, eternal life. So what I wish that gospel musician did was to then say, this is metaphorical, this is paradigmatic of the actual thing, the actual grace of the Lord, the grace of God in Jesus Christ. And so for us who want to then preach, evangelize, you can take that, you can take where people have seen actions of God's grace in their lives and then turn it to talk about the true gospel, right? It can give you a picture of the gospel, but then you now say, all right, now let's talk about the actual content of the gospel. We can use that rather than go ahead and, as I see so many people doing, just keep talking about how those people who don't have the gospel criticize, criticize, criticize. You criticize, and you're not actually preaching the gospel. It doesn't save anybody, all right? All right, Tofumi Akin, Akinola says, or Akinola Tofumi says, uh, blessed again, thank you, thank you, Tofumi. Uh, since genuine uh, saving faith encompasses a right understanding of the gospel, and following from last week, we spoke about certain truths that are cardinal to the gospel. My question is, do people who have a faulty understanding of the cardinal element incarnation, for example, of the gospel possess saving faith? That is an excellent question. Here's what I think. I think you can believe something. Um, not exhaustively, but truly. I also even believe that there are many people who can believe something, but are not good articulators of what they believe. You see, the difference between the apprehension of the faith and the articulation of the faith. There are some people who are saved, genuinely saved, like genuinely saved. What they believed was true. God has done that miracle in their heart. How they understood what that salvation was wasn't quite clear. So when they're now trying to preach what has happened to them, to somebody else, it's muddled up and they don't actually preach the right message. So it's very possible that somebody just said, all I heard was, Jesus Christ died for my sins and he rose from the dead, grave. And genuinely believes. I don't think that's a full, under, a comprehensive understanding of the gospel. You know, the person may not even understand anything about the gospel story, but at least he understands some right elements about it and the person is saved. Listen, the good news is for the poor. And many times the poor, that's what Jesus said, many times the poor are illiterate. The, uh, the people who are not literate, the, the woman at the well was not going to go and teach like Apollos. Apollos met Priscilla and Aquila. Apollos definitely had a group of teach, uh, the, the, the gift of teaching. Priscilla and Aquila knew more than him just in terms of the understanding of the accuracy of the faith. They told him it didn't turn either of them to teachers. Apollos was a teacher, the main teacher in the church of Corinth. Right? He believed something right, but it was not totally accurate. But that was sufficient. Now, in teaching, he had to learn the, the truths of God's word even more comprehensively. He had to learn the truth about Christ more accurately. For those who want to reference, there's 1 Corinthians, uh, sorry, 1 um, Acts chapter 18. Acts chapter 18, towards the end of that. So, um, 
So it's possible. There are lots of people, I would say, that are even in faulty, what I would say, faulty churches because the way the ministries are being built is wrong. But they've actually believed. How this thing happens, I know it is complex, but we should never turn the gospel to just a mere rational thing. If you don't get the right propositions and everything there, you can't believe. Because there, you, you turn your gospel from the gospel of faith in Christ to the gospel of an intellectual understanding of Christ. And then those who are not intellectually aware are cut off from it. And just spoke in simple language that people understood. So it's possible that you meet somebody, right, that is not articulating their faith very well. I don't fully understood it well intellectually. But they've genuinely, you can see the fruit of repentance and the fruit of true belief in their hearts. And yet there are many people who are actually intellectually very aware about it and you don't see the fruit there. But those people who have genuinely received it are not the best people to go out preaching and teaching. When they do that, they often come up with errors. So it's very, very possible for that. Okay? All right. Any other question? Any other question? Okay, I think we're already running out of time. And so if there's no other question, I want to thank you all uh, for joining us. And uh, please don't forget, we're going to do this again next week. Invite people. Invite people. And if you invite somebody, also let them know when it's time to join. But also this, this message between this evening and tomorrow morning will be put online. We'll try to separate, I think, um, um, the message and the Q&A so that if they just want to listen to the teaching, that's one thing. If they just want to do the Q&A, that's another thing. And so you can use that to share and so that they can, it can be something that somebody will come for the next time, okay? Well, till then, um, don't forget to like, comment, subscribe. Uh, like, comment, share, and subscribe. And please stay safe until we see you again. If you are joining us on Sunday, please join us at 9 o'clock um, uh, for our service uh, time. And, but if, if it's just Tuesday, then we'll see you next Tuesday. So then God bless you.